Mastermind Agent is proud to present the Interview of the Month Club. Top agents, rising agents, team members, and guests from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the club interviews at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Wayne Turner with Turner Real Estate Group in Mandeville, Louisiana. Last year, he closed 81 transactions with a total sales volume of $18 million. His average sales price was $228,000, of which 54% were buyers and 46% were sellers. He operates a team with 10 members, 6 buyer agents, 1 closing manager, 1 listing manager, 1 bookkeeper marketing manager, and one team leader. Wayne Turner is the team leader of the Turner Real Estate Group. He has been an agent for 16 years and works the Mandeville Covington Market, 35 miles north of New Orleans. Wayne has built two successful teams in two different states. In Tennessee, he had his best year in 2006 when Wayne sold 286 homes worth 51 million. In Louisiana, he built a brand new team from scratch and sold 81 homes worth 18 million in his first full year. He is running a lean machine with a 60% profit margin. Wayne's goal in 2012 is to close 160 transactions. In this interview, Wayne discusses goal setting, affirmations, positive mental attitude, and sacrifice. He talks about generating business from expired listings for sell by owners, geographic farms, internet marketing, video marketing, and radio ads. Wayne shares scripts and dialogues. He explains how to use the DISC personality test to put his team members in the right positions. First, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Wayne. Hey, thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. It's good to be here. Before we get started talking about what you're doing today, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. Before I got into real estate, right out of high school, I worked at a printing company. I was one of these kids where I started working at a very young age. So from selling candy at school and getting into trouble selling candy, and I used to wash cars and I was, you know, anything to make a buck, I realized the value of the dollar. So after high school, uh, I worked at a printing company for a while, and then from there, I got a job at Peterbilt Motors in Nashville, Tennessee, where they actually build and manufacture the truck. So I was an electrician on the assembly line for about five years. So just basically just uh, dirt and grit, hard work, and just realized that I didn't want to work by the sweat of my brow and the bend of my back for the rest of my life. I really needed to do something. And so... Um, that's what I did before uh, getting my real estate license. And how did you choose real estate? 
I chose real estate because I was helping my uncle clean pools during the day, and I worked a second shift job at night. So I would go in at 4 to work at Peterbilt, and uh, during the day, I'd wake up early and meet my uncle, and we would clean pools. He had a uh, little pool cleaning service that he did on the side. So I helped him clean pools. We were cleaning a pool at a really nice house. There was a Lexus in the driveway. The house was big. It was nice. It had an in-ground pool, and there were real estate signs leaned up against the house. And I thought, I wonder if you have to have a college education to get your real estate license and how much schooling you would need because the Lexus in the pool is appealing to me. And so uh, I made a few phone calls that afternoon, and the rest is history. And I had my real estate license less than a month later. When you got into real estate, did you have a fast start or a slow start? I think it was pretty slow, and the reason being is I was 24 years old when I got my real estate license. I bought my first home when I was 21, and so I contracted with just a uh, track builder to have it built. Built that home. I was 21, always been really responsible, and so at 21, I had a, a vehicle note, I had a home, and I had responsibilities. So I was making a really good living at 21 years old. I was working at Peterbilt, had full benefits, and was making $40,000 a year. Now, that's that was 20 years ago. So to me, it was a bit of a slow start because I had two years there where I did it kind of part-time, and then I realized that I really, really enjoyed it and really wanted to do it, and I just decided that I'm going to set a deadline, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to make it, and I'm never going to look back. And so I gave myself about six months and I saved like crazy, and I gave them my notice, and I quit, and I started real estate full-time. Now, from that, after about six months of being in it full-time, I discovered that there were agents out there that were much more productive than I was, so I thought, you know, why not learn from the best? Because in the real estate industry, Man, you get your real estate license, you put them with a company, whether it be big or medium or small, and they tell you, you know, here's a desk, a phone, a chair, and you got to bring in your computer, but we got a couple back here. And the training is just kind of, my, you know, it's just a little lacking. And, and I, I just thought, I need to learn, and I need to learn fast. And so I seen a guy by the name of Sam Miller in the Realtor Magazine. And the Realtor Magazine showed Sam's average sales price, how many years in the business, what was his volume. At the time, his volume was about $13 million. He was his average sales price is about $90,000. So I picked up the phone and I called Sam and introduced myself. And uh, I told him I would like to shadow him. The fee for that service, he told me, was $1,000. That was 16 years ago. We set a date. Two weeks later, I drove eight hours to Mount Vernon, Ohio, and spent the day with Sam. Actually, I spent more than the day. He picked me up at the hotel at 8 o'clock and didn't drop me back off till 11 o'clock that night. So it was able to see it and see it happening and see a team. And, and from there, that's when it really took off for me. Were you just walking right next to Sam all throughout his entire day? How did that work? I was with him through his entire day. I spent a little bit of time with his closing manager, a little bit of time with his listing manager to the tune of about an hour because he had told me, look, if you have any questions, call us anytime. Email us. We'll share our marketing information with you. We'll share everything with you that we have. And so literally when I left Sam, it was just... Stacks and stacks and stacks of marketing and information. But I did. I was like a fly on the wall, but I stuck to his side all day long. Went on a listing appointment with him, watched him negotiate contracts, watched him work with with his marketing manager and creating the marketing and just, you know, the postcards and the systems and his plans and this process and just everything. 
It was it was worth a little bit more than a thousand dollars. I joke with Sam. <laughs> it was worth a little bit more than a thousand dollars. But yeah, that's that's that helped a lot. Now since then, as I've progressed in the business over the years, I still speak with Sam quite often, and I see him at these events. And he's a wonderful person, and has always been. Uh, I'm forever grateful for the rest of my life for what he's helped me with. Since then, I have people come into town and come into the area and shadow me. It's fun. It's it's really exciting to give back. And I tell everybody, hey, if you're going to come into town, you have to pay for your hotel and your airfare, your gas, whatever it may be. But once you come here, I'm an open book. I'm going to give you every marketing, every system, every process, everything that you need. But it does cost $1,000 because you're going to be spending the day with me. We don't do anything special, but uh, I tell them to bring an extra suitcase because you need to bring an empty suitcase because that empty suitcase is going to be filled when you leave my office with marketing material and just everything that we do. So how long have you been in the business? 16 years. Recently, you experienced relocation, a change of market. Could you tell us about that? I did. I had a very successful real estate company team up and going in Nashville, Tennessee, born and raised in Nashville, Tennessee. When I got my real estate license, I was in a market where I didn't want to continue selling in that market. I wanted to go where the average sales price of a house was much more. And there was a town called Hendersonville, Tennessee. And the town of Hendersonville is just an absolute great, great place to call home. It's a great town. Loved it there. Still enjoy the place. My folks are still in that area. It's a lake community, bedroom community. Home of Johnny Cash and a lot of country music singers, stars, that sort of thing. I used to literally live not even a half a mile down the road from, from Johnny Cash. And so it's a beautiful town. And I moved to that town to specifically sell real estate. Now, I wasn't from that town or anything. So I kind of started young, fresh, and green at 24 years old to get that business up and going. Had a very successful business, but unfortunately um, went through a divorce and uh, in the late 2000s, 2000, 2007, 2008, when the market started sucking back and dropping off. And then I've got personal issues and, and went through a divorce, and now the market's off, and I'd had you know some investment properties and a commercial building and that I just built that I'd only been in a year. So to make a long story short, I had to liquidate everything. I had buyer agents that that left because at the time my ex-wife and I worked together, so that just didn't go over too well. And so to make a long story short, I liquidated everything, I sold off rental property, sold my office building. Taylor Swift purchased my office building. That's where her management company and everything. They uh, made me an offer, and I, I couldn't refuse it. And so that's where their office is to this day. I moved to Louisiana, where I'm at now, because I'm at the love of my life. I met my new wife in Orlando, Florida, when I was at a conference teaching. And I was there teaching and training, and she happened to be there just as a as a real estate agent, and um, it was at a, a Star Power conference. We just met and really clicked, and she's from here, and I'm from there, and she said, hey, let's, I love Tennessee. She almost went to the University of Tennessee, Knoxville. And she said, hey, I can move there. And, or, you know, and I said, well, hey, I like being around the Gulf. I, like, I love New Orleans. I love the culture. I love the people. It's, uh, it's fast-paced, even though it's still in the South, and 
So I hung out down here for a while, and then I realized that there was an opportunity within this market to really do something different. And two, it was a challenge. So I got my broker's license in the state of Louisiana. And something to be noted is that having gone through the financial distress and the personal distress and, and pain, divorce attorneys and you know, I know people go through it, and I'm telling you, it takes years off your life. They say, you know, between losing a child as a parent, going through a divorce and financial hardship to the point of bankruptcy, uh, take years off your life. But I knew that I still have what's between my ears, and, and I'm still a very driven person. And I started pretty much from scratch, not knowing anyone in Hendersonville, Tennessee. So I thought, man, I can imagine what I can do now, because now I have all this knowledge base behind me. I know I've done it. So that's what brought me here. I opened up a business two years ago. Two years ago on June 6th, it'll be two years. And uh, last year our sales were up 301% from the year before. So we did 81 transactions, and we're just we're turning and burning right now year to date. We've closed 53 transactions, and we've got more agents. And, I mean, we're growing literally by the day. Now we have eight buyer agents, and I'm still listing the properties. But i got a listing manager and a closing manager, myself, bookkeeper, slash marketing manager. We turn and burn. We're a little behind, but we'll do about 160 transactions. I just hired four buyer agents. January of this year, I had two buyer agents. And then since January from March, I hired two more. And then literally in the last two weeks, I've hired four more. So literally, it's been pretty rapid growth in terms of adding people. That's a pretty fast growth. You've closed 53 this year so far, and you think you're going to get the 160. Do you have a lot of homes under contract right now? Yeah, we have 39 pending right now. Just to get perspective, when you were back in Tennessee, how many closings did you close in your best year? Best year was 2006. We did 286 sides, and that was with a team of four buyer agents and myself and a listing partner and two and a half admin. One thing I've learned in this business is you build a team by necessity, not by strategy. And I've learned that when I started building my team in Middle Tennessee that there were only really one or two people in Middle Tennessee that I was aware of that actually were, you know, were successful at having a team and they were closing in excess of 200 transactions a year. And for me, I realized that other people would form a team to do more transactions. And I think the misconception with real estate agents is, well, if I've got a team, I'm going to get more business. I'm going to grow my business. People are going to call me. And reality is people don't call you because you have a big team. They want their house sold fast. With no stress, no headache for the most amount of money. The purpose of a team is because you have to have that staff there to take care of business. And so at first I kind of fell in that trouble. Like, yeah, I want a team. I want a closing manager, a listing manager. I want this. I want that. And, you know, you're selling real estate and everything's happy. But if you make a million dollars and it takes you $900,000 to get there, that's not good. You don't want that. So... My thing is I run lean, 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 and mean. I spend very little money on marketing. 
very little money on marketing because if you want to put more money in your pocket, and I say very little money on marketing. Now, keep in mind, I used to run TV ads, and you can see those TV ads. If you go to YouTube and put in Wayne Turner Real Estate, you can see my TV ads that I ran in, in Hendersonville, Tennessee. And then you can also hear the radio ads that I've ran there and that I'm currently running here. So I do put some money into marketing, don't get me wrong, but I started for about the first year, I didn't run any marketing, any advertising. I'm in a market where no one knows me, nobody knows who I am, but I worked expired listings. I got on the phone. I honed my skills, and I got a little stale, I'll be honest with you. You know, if you don't use it, you lose it. I come down to New Orleans, I'm here to start selling real estate, and I'm ready to hit the ground running. I didn't realize how rusty I'd become because I had a listing partner that was listing 95% of the homes. We were taking anywhere from 20 to 25 listings a month, and I would list maybe two or three, four at the most. And those were just laydowns. Those were just come list me calls, you know. Hey, I see you everywhere on billboards and moving trucks and TV commercials. And so, you know, when you pull in the driveway, they're practically, I've had people stand there in the driveway waiting with a pen in their hand. Those were easy. So here I am. i got to sell myself because nobody knows me. So that's what I did. I started listening to scripts and dialogues and honing my skills once more. The key to work in the business is just to consistently do it every single day. Every single day do it. Have a regimented plan every single day and to stick with it and to stick with it. And just pig-headed determination. That's what it boils down to, pig-headed determination. One of the things that I use personally is I'm really big in the goals and I'm really big into looking at pictures. Dare to dream. If you can believe it, it will come. Don't worry about why it's not there and how could it ever happen to me and I couldn't see myself driving a Mercedes-Benz because this is expensive and this is that. Look, you can't worry about the how or the why. You just have to see it. And if that means going to the bookstore and spending 20 bucks on three or four magazines, then do that. Cut those pictures out. If you want a new diamond ring, cut the picture out. If you want a new car... Go get a book. Go test drive the car. And then go buy a cork board at one of these, you know, Walmart or Target or somewhere. Stick it on your wall and look at it every day. That way you see it every single day. You can't help but see it. That's what you're working towards every single day. Even if you need a wife, you need a husband, it doesn't matter. Put it on the, put it on the board and look at it every single day. But to be driven. When you're looking at that board each day, are you saying anything to yourself or are you just staring at it? I look at it, and when I look at it, I just kind of sit back and just kind of dream a little bit. You know, I, I, I want a new boat, and so I've got a picture of a of a 40-foot T-Ray sedan bridge that I look at. I like money. I like cash. i got a picture of a, a wad of cash. I wear a Tag Heuer watch that's about seven years old, and I'd like to have a new one, so there's my new watch. And then I have people and friends and mentors that have given me quotes and phrases over the years, and I, I look at those quotes and phrases, and, and I tell myself that I am successful. We have the fastest-growing real estate company in Louisiana, and that we are successful. I believe in affirmations, and I believe in, if you really want to get going every day, take your affirmations and laminate them and hang them on your bathroom mirror. You'll see them every day, read them every day. One thing that I like doing is I take them and reduce them down in size to where they'll fit in your pocket or your pocketbook. And in that way, you see them every day. You put them in your truck, your vehicle, see them every day. Really big on the affirmations, really big on goal setting, really big on believing that you can achieve something. 
But you have to be willing to sacrifice. I think that's what a lot of people, they're like, well, I mean, I heard the naysayers years ago when I first got in the business. I was like, well, you know, he does all this business, but, or he does a lot of sales, but he didn't make any money, or, you know, what it boils down to is if you're willing to set a game plan and set a business plan and, and write down, this is what I want to do, and then you back out of it, you reverse it back, and then you say, okay, if I'm going to sell 300 houses, i got to list 300 properties, and i got to talk to how many people to get how many appointments and how many appointments to get how many listings and how many listings of those that I take will sell. So numbers are huge, huge, huge. Numbers are so huge that it's the algorithms that it's the closest thing we have to a crystal ball in terms of predicting the future. You can look in the past, and you can learn from the past, but to see where the future is going, it's so important to look at the numbers, to see the statistics. About as closest thing we have to a crystal ball is numbers. How often do you set up that plan with the numbers? Are you doing that annually or monthly? I do it annually, and then I look at the numbers on a monthly basis. We do a P&L statement. I see my P&L statement literally every single month. I know exactly what's coming in, exactly what's going out, down to the cent. We use QuickBooks to do that. My wife takes care of all that as far as the numbers, keeping up with all the numbers, every cent that comes in, every cent that goes out. And not only do we do that, it's very important to track every single lead. We track every single buyer lead. We track every single seller lead. So we can look on a weekly, monthly, daily, yearly basis where our business has, has come from. And then that allows you to say, okay, we spent X number of dollars. You know, we spent $1,000, and it made us $800. Never doing that again. Or we spent $3,000 on radio, and it made us $16,000. So that was a home run. So let's keep doing radio, and let's trim the fat somewhere else. It's business one-on-one, you know. Know your numbers. Well, let's do this. You know, we kind of jumped ahead, but let's back up for everybody. And let me just ask you, where is Manville, Louisiana? Mandeville, Louisiana is 35, 40 minutes north of New Orleans. My office is right on Lake Pontchartrain. Most people have heard of Lake Pontchartrain. And as I'm talking with you and speaking with you right now, I'm actually, my office is right on the lake, and I'm actually looking at, at the water and the boats, and it's couldn't ask for a better location. But I'm 35 minutes north of New Orleans. It's a bedroom community, average sales price. Right now is about 228 and that's down from years past in 2007. To give you some numbers, 2007 the numbers were 288. So the average sales price is down, but it is a bedroom community. Most people that live over here, there's not a lot of manufacturing or anything like that. It's people, for the most part, that live over here commute to New Orleans every day. But great schools in Louisiana, it's not a county, it's a parish. And so... The schools in Mandeville and Covington, Louisiana, are rated and ranked the highest in the state. Chevron's headquarters is here. We've got uh, a lot of the refineries in New Orleans. A lot of people work in the refineries in New Orleans. And it's so funny. I'll tell you something on a personal note. went on a cruise this year, early, early part of this year. went on a cruise. I'm on a cruise ship. And it's at night, and I'm outside on the cruise ship, and just the breeze blowing, and it's so peaceful, and the boat's running about 18 knots, and it's just it's just gorgeous. And all of a sudden, I start seeing all these white dots. 
and there are lights off in the distance. And I'm thinking, man, there's, there's boats everywhere. Wow, look at all the boats. There are boats everywhere. Well, what I didn't realize is that after talking with a couple of my clients who work for those oil industries, such as Chevron, Shell, and, and those major corporations, is those are oil rigs. I never knew how many of them were out in the Gulf, but it is literally hundreds of oil rigs. I mean, literally, we were, you know, looking back now on the boat, hell, I'm, I'm sure the captain felt like he was going through a maze because I, I, I was just shocked at all the oil rigs out there. So needless to say, there's a, there's a lot of oil in the Gulf of Mexico, that's for sure. So Mandeville... The prices there, they fell for a little while. Where are they now? Are they recovering? Is, it, is your market still falling? Is it flat? I'll give you some numbers. I just ran these a couple of days ago, and I shared this with my staff because everybody's like, oh, well, how's the market? Oh, the market's just bad. It's that bad. And, you know, it's different in every market. I can tell you that last year, last year, year to date, the market was up about 14% from 2010. And then this year, year to date, the market's up 18% from last year. So if you look at last year's increase is 14 and this year's increase is 18, that's a 32% increase in home sales in the last 24 months. So that's something to know. It's very important to know and it's very important to tell people, but not as only is it important to tell people, but it's important to tell not just consumers, but my staff and my team members and, and my agents. In 2007, there were 690 homes closed as of May 31st. 2007, the first five months out of the year, 690 closed, $285,400 was the sales price. In 2008, there were 657 houses, so the market dropped. Average sales price is 274. Home values dropped $11,000. 2009, there was 527 closings, 263 was the average sales price. 2010, 545 closings, $255,000. In 2011, it actually started going back up. 553 homes. The average sales price was 234.6. Now this year, year to date, from January 1st, 2012 to May 31st, there's been 656 houses closed. Average sales price is just a little over $227,000. So you can see the market's coming back, but it's supply and demand. You know, if buyers are buying houses, then sellers can ask more for their homes because if there's more buyers buying and they're seller selling, then you can ask more for your house. But it takes a while for it to get back up. You know, it takes a while for that for that cycle. If you were to look out at your real estate market today, what percentage of the properties are retail sales versus REO and short sale? Right now, I'll give you some numbers. This year, there's been... Out of those 656 transactions, 144 of them were foreclosures. About 20%. Does that include both REO and short sale? No, that's just REO. In our multiple listing, there's not a, a selected or specific field for us to note that the property is a short sale. I wish there were, but it seems kind of crazy that it's not. But, you know, there is for REO. We can easily go in there and say, okay, I want to see a list of every single foreclosure, every single bank on property. But for short sales, we just, we don't have it. If you had to guess, what percentage do you think short sales are of your market? I'd say probably about 10%, 8 to 10%. So about 70% of the market is traditional. 
Right. That's great. So it's turning around. Yeah. When you moved to this new market, have you established a niche or a specialization there? I started working short sales. The reason why I started working short sales is I'm going through a divorce. I had a big house and had all these bells and whistles, man. You know, you got money coming in and, you know, I had 6,000 square foot home, but I had to short sell my home because when the market shifted, man, he's going to buy a million dollar home. And so I just put it on the market and I kept adjusting the price downwards until I got a buyer and I short sold my home. Now, after short selling my home, I understood the process and I, Actually, I could not short sell it and do it all myself. The bank would not allow it, so I actually had to uh, hire an agent. They short sold my property, but that was the first property that I short sold. So when I was here, I thought to myself, man, I know what people are going through. I know the anguish and the frustration, the hardship. You know, I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be mad and sad and depressed and frustrated, and you're up one minute and you're down the next. I know what it's like to, if you don't think about it, it'll just go away, and it doesn't. So I thought, man, why don't I just try to get a list of these short sales? So that's why I subscribed to Realty Track, and Realty Track was able to kind of put me onto that people that were behind in their mortgage payments. And so I would call them, and I would send them a little letter, and I would let them know that hey, we're here to help. And so I started listing a few short sales and and selling those. But the big thing for me in a new market was expired listings, because in any market where you go in, it's people and houses. I don't care where you are. It doesn't matter what country you're in. If you can speak their language, it's people and houses. So for me, I thought, well, it's houses, it's people. Now, keep in mind, I had to learn roads and streets, and I had to to learn the MLS and this whole new system of life. So I went on the MLS, and I discovered how to pull the expired. So I went back six months, and I printed all those out, and then I cross-referenced them to see if they'd been listed or sold. The ones that had not been listed currently on the market or sold, then tracked and tried to get their phone number. And then from there, we started a system. I started mailing those people postcards and then calling them on the phone. And I would systematically call them. I wouldn't just call them one time, but we would call them multiple times. I say we. I've said we for years, but it was me getting on the phone and really letting the people know, hey, we're here to help. You know, the market's not as bad as you think. You can sell the property. Let's break that down for a minute, this expired program. You got the list of the expireds. What were you mailing out? How often were you mailing it? First, we'd mail a postcard out, and then we'd mail a letter. And we typically mail nine times. And then after the ninth one, they just get put in our general monthly mailer where they receive a postcard on a monthly basis so we can kind of keep them in the loop. Now, two things that I've learned over the years is if you want to let buyers know that the market's moving, you show them the word sold because people follow people. And we as human beings, we want what other people want of ours. So people follow people. I want them to see the word sold. And if a seller, a homeowner, sees the word sold, then they know and realize that the market's moving. So for me, it was about letting them know Here's the property that's sold. Here's the market. Here's a market report. And uh, I use a company that does a phenomenal job. It's called Real Market Reports. You can go to realmarketreports.com. That's actually my brother-in-law's company. And so he started the company about two and a half years ago after a series of other companies 
not doing near as good of a job. He's a super intelligent person and was able to realize he could take the MLS data and compress it and put it in the numbers. And in that way, you could share it with both buyers and sellers to say, look, here's the absorption rate. Here's the numbers. Here's what home sales are doing. And so we sent him that report. We still to this day sent him that report. We'd send him the report. We'd send him a postcard. And mainly the postcard would be like, you know, is your home being held hostage with something to really jump out at them? Because most of the time, if their house has been on the market six months, they're angry, they're frustrated. They don't think the real estate agent's done anything and the market's all bad. And, and all actuality, it's not. So if we can reverse that and really try to get them to, to call us. But I find that I've, I've have, I have more success if I call them. And you try to catch them first thing in the morning. And chances are you're not going to catch them, but I always, always, always leave a voicemail. If I don't catch them first thing in the morning, I have discovered that between 2 and 3.30 is a great time to catch people, especially a lot of folks that, that work from home. I respect dearly the, the mothers that stay at home and raise their children, and they have kids, and they pick up the children from school, and then they come home, and, and they're usually at the house at, you know between, between 2.30 and 4. So expired listings, it was a really big thing. And has been. How often are you sending out these letters and postcards? Are you sending them out daily, weekly? What's the schedule? The first four go out every single day. And then after that, we do every other day. And then we even have a, a postcard that says, please excuse our positive, aggressive nature and wanting to earn your business. We're not trying to brag, but we're applying for a job to be your realtor. And we would value greatly the opportunity to show you the difference in what we can do to sell your property. We wish you the best of success, and we hope to hear from you soon. And in the meantime, we'll try to contact with you. Now, another thing that I found that works kind of good, and it's working even better, not only with uh, expired listings, but with buyers, is everybody's on Facebook. So now we're going to Facebook and saying, hey, we know that your home came off the market. I'm sure you're frustrated that it hasn't sold but we can show you what we can do differently, that sort of thing. And are you having success on Facebook? Yeah, actually we are. It's pretty fascinating. It's it's something that we just started doing, literally, I don't know, in the last six weeks, four to six weeks, but we're finding that it's working out great, even more so with buyers, because they'll register on the website, they won't put a phone number, but they'll put their name, and then so we're able to go to Facebook. And it's pretty nice, too, to be able to go to Facebook, put a name with a face and that sort of thing. You know, I just hired four buyer agents, and before I even made a phone call to them, I looked them all up on Facebook. It's amazing. People just put their stuff out there. Now, you've mentioned that you also make phone calls to the expireds. What do you say when you talk to them? A couple of things, and I, and I think it's important because it's so hard to pick up that phone. It's one of the hardest things that consumers and the people that we do in our industry that anybody does in sales. Nobody wants to be a bother, but I've discovered years ago that we're in sales, and you just have to realize that. And so you, I think it's important, like, on your goal board to write down who, what, where, when, why, whom, and which. Because if you'll ask questions with that word being the very first word that comes out of your mouth when you ask the question, it will not be a yes or a no answer. And that's what you want. And you want to be able to ask questions to get to yes answers. So when I do call people... I ask if there's a name, I introduce myself, and I, and I just tell them, I say, look, I know you're, you're probably extremely frustrated that your home did not sell. 
and you've probably even heard that the market's really bad. And uh, I hear that more from real estate agents than than from anyone. But are you aware? And I find that about 40% of the people aren't even aware that their home came off the market. So I tell them, hey, I know your home is no longer uh, on the market for sale, but will would you still have an interest in selling the property? And if they say yes, then I say, well, that's fantastic. If you don't mind, could I get a little bit of information from you? Now, most of the time, uh, they're very receptive and very helpful, and we tell them what we do differently. And I go into you know, well, our marketing. We use algorithms, and we use we use YouTube, and we shoot a video of your property. And we go, I go into a little bit of detail, and I ask them, were you pleased with the virtual tour that was done on your property? And most of the time, they'll say, well, there was no virtual tour done on my property. And sometimes the virtual tour was done, but they never seen it. So I think it's important just to kind of keep them in the loop, let them know, here's what we do, here's what we're doing. But really, it's just trying to get the appointment, you know, when you're there. So, look, I would really like to show you what we do differently. It will only take 15 minutes of your time. I can meet you today at 2, or would 4 be better for you? Always give people a choice. We make so many decisions throughout the day that if you give people a choice, they'll fit it into their schedule. To work around your schedule. If I leave a voicemail, a couple of voicemails that I leave, and I think being consistent because even the ones that do call to get listing appointments to, to call expired listings, if if they're just a one person band, they can only call so much because you know they get busy, they get listing appointments, and they're going to do the business, the paperwork, they're going to set the sign, take the pictures, put it on the lockbox, they're going to do, they're doing everything. So if you can if you can have at least one assistant to help you with a lot of that stuff, you can consistently work the expireds. But if you'll consistently work the expireds, it's amazing how many houses you can list. And it's a numbers game. I leave voicemails. I call in the mornings, and if I don't get them in the mornings, I set aside an hour, hour and a half in the mornings. And in the afternoons, I set aside an hour and a half. So I'm just calling those people. Best can just say, hey, I left you a voicemail this morning. Don't mean to be a bother. I just, you have a really nice home, and I'm looking at it on the multiple listing computer, and I see several things that were not done correctly. I think you should know, and I'd really like to show you those those things that didn't get done. One of the keys or a nice lead-in is when you're talking on the phone with them to say, I know your home came off the market, and are you still interested in selling the property? And they say, well, yeah, we're interested in selling it. Uh, here's a huge question. Always ask this question. Why do you think your home didn't sell? And they will vent for about five to ten minutes, and 90% of that venting will be because of the real estate agent. They never showed my home. They didn't do this. They didn't do that. They didn't do this. They didn't do that. And so from there, we can say, well, you know, I think you'll be really pleased with what we do differently. Our listing agreements are only for 90 days, and on top of that, you can cancel at any time. So at any time, you're unhappy with us. You're in control. It's your listing. You can fire us. There's no cost or no obligation whatsoever. There's no upfront fees. There's no processing fees. And uh, you pay us when you get paid. And if you're unhappy, you, you fire us at any time. I think people are really pleased with that. They like that. They like the fact that they're not locked in for a long time. We tell them we have to have a beginning date and an end date as required by the law in Louisiana as well as in Tennessee and many other states. 
but we put it in writing that they can cancel at any time. Very, very, very few people cancel, but if they want to, I totally understand. It's it's a numbers game. We put that in writing as well. I used to do a guaranteed sale. I don't do a guaranteed sale or anything like that anymore because I find that a point of difference in my market, it was still nice just to be able to do cancel at any time. The listing agreements are for three months, and there's no upfront fees. There's no no overhead costs, no flat fees, no none of that. And once again, you're creating seeds of doubt because nobody in my market charges flat fees, processing fees, or origination fees. But if I bring the subject up, then perhaps their perception is that they do. And so it creates a little bit of a point of interest. Do you ever get to the end of the 90 days and have to re-sign, and how challenging is that? It's never a challenge whatsoever. We use a software called DocuSign. DocuSign, we email them the document, and they sign it and send it right back, and it's real simple. It's just a process that we do. majority of our properties are actually sold before that time frame. Our average time on the market is about 63 days, and so we tell them that. We don't need to list your property much longer than that because it's going to be sold. But I can tell you that, if, if we, of course, we have properties that exceed that 90-day mark, and if they do, it's a real simple matter of we call them up, we stay in consistent communication on a weekly basis via email and telephone calls, follow-ups on showings. We give them, we inundate them with data and information. But we simply call them, let them know, leave a voicemail, send it to them. If we don't have it back in 24 hours, we'll... we'll uh, them a follow-up email. Typically, we get it back within a couple of days, and we just extend it for another uh, 90 days. The biggest reason that most listings expire is because of price. They've overpriced. How are you preventing that from being your problem? How do you make sure that they price correctly? I do a couple of things. One, I do a market analysis just like anybody else would on the price and the square footage of the property and the condition, the years, the belt, the, the subdivision, the location, and really hone it down. Then from there, I go and pull numbers in the entire uh, city, basically, or, uh, or for example, a, a specific area. Here we have property MLS zones. So if you're in area 202, I compare your house with 202. If you're in 204, I compare your house with 204. Then, if you're in Mandeville, I compare your house with comparable bedrooms, baths, square footage, garage, in just Mandeville. And I think it's important for them to see. And a lot of that comes into play with the real market reports because the market reports break it all down. I have a form. I use quantitative data and absorption rate logistics. That form on it has the property address and date. And then I show them total active listings within their MLS area, total active listings within their neighborhood sold in the past six months in the MLS area, sold in the past six months in the neighborhood, average price per square foot, absorption rate ratio in their neighborhood in the MLS, and then a suggested sales price and then projected time to sell. And so I usually hit that number where, and I watch their body language, and I want to see if they're about to fall out of their chair or if they're still there. That's kind of where you go from it. You know, I, I pick a number that, I know it based on the absorption rate. The absorption rate is so huge because it allows us to go, okay, let's look three to six months back. And if there's 20 houses on the market 
and only two have sold in the last six months. And that tells us there's only one home selling every three months. Or if only one home selling every three months and you have 20 houses listed on the market, I mean, talk about a buyer's market. You have to say you're either going to be the next one to sell or you're going to sit. And then I always, always, always ask people on the phone before I get to the listing appointment, what's the reason for their sale? Because it's an emotional sale, Mike, just like it's an emotional buy. People buy on emotion and people sell on emotion. There's a reason why they're selling. There's a reason why they're buying. And I've discovered there's two reasons why people spend money, and that's to take away pain or to give them pleasure. And buying a home is a pleasurable item, and selling a home is typically for the purpose of buying another home or relocating. And so it can be a pleasurable item. But, you know, we're all human. Everybody wants more for their house than it's worth. But we try to let them know that you're better off to price the property because everybody's using technology, and everybody's using Zillow and Truly and Realtor.com and all these websites, and they all have drop-down menus. So you got to price your property to where it gets picked up. And consumers are more educated now than they've ever been because they have so much data. There's a new app now called, uh, I think it's called HomeSnap. It's either HouseSnap or HomeSnap. You can actually snap a picture. You can download this app on your Android phone, your, your, your iPhone. You can take a picture of a house. It doesn't even have to be on the market. But if you take a picture of your house while you have this app, it will literally show you who owns the house, when it was built, how long they've lived there, what they bought it for. I mean, it's incredible. Just from the picture of the house. Just from the picture of the house. It's kind of the same way. You know, it's technology. It's moving fast, 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 fast. So I really just want to look at them and go, look, it takes about, I just look at them, it takes about 10 to 11 showings before we get a person to look at your property, we got to get them to walk through the door. It's a bedroom community. They're not going to buy it sight unseen. I got to get them through the front door. And so I can I can have 30 people stroll through. That means you're real close. But uh, if I have no people stroll through your house, that means you're way off. And we track everything by numbers. We track virtual tours. We track the website. We track our realtor.com. We track everything. So we know how many people are looking when they looked, how they looked. I mean, we we absolutely see everything. I track IP addresses. I know where they're looking from. I know what time of day they're looking. I know whether or not they're using a Mac. I know whether or not they're using Internet Explorer, Safari. I get everything through technology uh, but their name, uh, phone number, and email. They have to physically put that in. But having all that data allows me to go, okay, here's the best way to advertise, and here's the not-so-best way, and here's an easier way, and here's a harder way. And in doing so, when I'm on a listing appointment, I can show people the numbers. I do a full listing presentation with an iPad. I do have the ability to, to go online and show them properties and show them. You know, most people, when they're putting a house on the market, they've looked at Trulia and Zillow and Realtor.com and all these sites. So they kind of know, they kind of see, they've been shopping around. And even if they're relocating, you know, most people... For the most part, like we talked about, 65 to 70% of the people are selling and they're going to be purchasing another home, either in the immediate area or uh, outside of our market. So that's how you're picking up a big bulk of your business, the expireds. Do you have any other success secrets or tips for how to make an expired program work? I think the big thing is just stick at it, stay with it, 
your sold postcards, if you have if you have so much as one client that you've listed their home and that you've sold it, I think it's important to do a sold postcard. Now, you don't have to do the big postcards. You can do the smaller postcards. And repetition is the mother of skill, so it's so important to repetitively let them see you. When you brand yourself, uh, marketing is branding. And there's a reason why Coca-Cola and Wrigley's gum has been written the same way for over 100 years, because you can glance at it and subliminally you know what it is. You know when you see the Nike swoosh, it's Nike. So you want to create that same image. You want your branding to be consistent, your colors to be consistent, your picture in the same spot. Don't change any of it up. And then when you have a sold card, design your sold card to where You've got maybe uh, one or two pictures of the inside of the house, or don't put any pictures of the inside of the house. Just do the outside of the house and put, Wayne Turner was selected to sell this home and sold it in you know, 23 days. If you've sold it, here's what I've discovered. If you, sold, if you sell a house in 60 days or less, you're great. You're a great agent. If you sell it in 30 days or less, you're a superstar, you're a rock star, you're a hero. If it takes you longer than 90 days to sell a house, you're an average agent. You got to keep that in your head that you want them to sell. You want them to sell quick because the quicker you sell it, the more pleased people are and the more referrals you get. At one time in my year, 2006 was my best year. 39% of my business were either past clients or repeat customers because we inundate them with information. And the goal is, the quicker you can sell the house, the better your chances are of getting a referral or repeat customer. But the big thing is just creating those sales once again. It's important for buyers to see the word sold because buyers think, well, the market must be moving. People must be buying houses. We p- People follow people. That's the reason why Facebook is a prime example, why it's so huge. People want to be accepted. They want to be involved. They want to be, be in the know. They want to be in the, in, the, in the latest and the greatest and what's going on. I tell you something that's really important, and, and, and I teach agents this. If you call to make an appointment to show a property and they tell you, well, you can't show it between 1 and 2 or 4 and 5 because there's other showing appointments at that time, you tell them, okay, sure, no problem. Thank you. You hang up. And then you show it at either one of those times because that's when you want to show the property is when other people are looking at the property. We want, as consumers, what we can have, and we find acceptance knowing that other people want what we want. Because no one likes to be the first one to sign in on open house. Nobody likes to be the first. Most people are just kind of, well, let me just kind of follow. Let me see what they're doing. Kind of like if you're looking, if you're at the bookstore and you're looking at a book and you kind of like it, you heard it was good, but you're not too sure. It's a self-help book. You need a little help. You're debating. It's 30 bucks. It's the last one. You know, you put it back on the shelf, and then all of a sudden, here comes this gal, she comes swooping in, grabs your book, and walks off. You immediately want that book. You're like, she just took my book. I'll be doll. I wanted that book. Now you you want it even more because, one, it was they took it before you made the decision, and, two, gives you more acceptance knowing that that person wanted what you also wanted. Wayne, you've got a couple other ways that you're generating listings you mentioned for sale by owners. How's that working for you? Yeah, we do a little for sale by owners, not a whole lot, but for sale by owners are good just to call. You got to keep this in mind too that nobody's ever reached through a phone and killed you to make a phone call. So why not pick up the phone and just go, "Hey, I'm a real estate broker in the area, and I noticed that you're selling your home yourself. Would you mind sharing just a couple of quick questions with me?" And then from there go, 
how many bedrooms, how many baths, uh, what's your square footage, and then ask them, if you don't mind my asking, we get this a lot from every single homeowner. They always want to know how long a property's been on the market, and, and of course, what's the reason for your selling the home. Now, before I ask you that, that, that question, Mr. Seller, before I, we, we go into detail, would, would you be offended in any way for me to take a look at the property either today or tomorrow? And most of the time they'll say no. And again, that's would you be offended? And they'll always say no. Almost 99% of the time they'll say no. And you can say, hey, I'm going to be in your area tomorrow. Would you be offended if I were to stop by and just take a quick look? I can't help but sell what I see. We sell a lot of properties. If you're with a big company, you say we. If you're with a small company, you say we. Just we. We sell a lot of houses. And we show a lot of houses in your area. Now, the other thing, I ask for bedrooms, baths, square footage, and I also ask, would you be receptive to selling your home if I brought a client for you? If I had a buyer for your house, would you be willing to pay a discounted fee to my firm? And a discounted fee is because most of the time you're going to co-broke it with no listing broker, and you're going to ask them for a, a percentage of the sales price, whether it be 3 5 7 whatever. And so the discount is they're not paying a listing broker. And they'll, they'll always, always, always say yes. And if they don't, you just say next. That's one word I've learned years ago, next. Move on. It's just houses and people, and there's plenty of business out there. Don't subject yourself to mean, hateful, negative people. Just say next and move on. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search RealGTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. Wayne, you've had a lot of success with geographic farming. How did you establish that farm? How did you pick it and what's been happening in there? Well, here's what I did with the farm that I have here. I've had a pretty good success here, but it's just starting to roll. In Tennessee, that's all I did. I did listed and sold postcards constantly. And then I started backing off the listing and doing the more sold. And so I would consistently send out and mail out those sold cards. Here, we do the sold cards. I picked a specific subdivision where there's about 1,500 homes and about 65 of those homes sell on a yearly basis. And that's about the last two years' numbers. Average sales price is 365, but we were given the opportunity to be the exclusive realtor in their uh, homeowners publication magazine. Their homeowners association actually has a company that prints their magazine, and their magazine has advertisers in there. This thing looks literally like a real magazine that you would see on the shelf, and it's articles that the homeowners in the area have submitted. It's business owners within the subdivision. I personally don't live in the subdivision. I probably will one day, but right now I don't I don't personally live in the subdivision. It's a beautiful golf course community. There's two golf courses. There's 1,500 homes. I mean, it's like a small city. But being invited to be the exclusive was pretty huge. And so I do my real market reports on the, on the back page, and I have an, a, an ad, and so that, that consistency. But, you know, things like that, it takes a while. People have to realize that 
when you start marketing, don't give up. Repetition is the mother of learning and skill. And I say that because we as consumers have to see something seven to nine times before we get it into our head subliminally. So it may take you seven to nine mailers before people start to realize who you are and what you do. And that's huge. Another thing that I've done is calendar magnets. I think it's important to do a calendar magnet. When I do a calendar magnet, I want to be the biggest. So I do eight and a half by 11 calendar magnets. I uh, I have them printed on super thick stock, uh, high gloss, UV coated. We lay them out ourselves with Photoshop, and everything's consistently. My postcards, my scratch pads, post-it notes, everything looks consistent. And so we pass them out all over town. We went to every bank, every door, every business, and we put 20 calendars there and said, here you go, you know, the free calendars in addition to that. Now, here's what I did with a calendar is I had advertisers advertise on the bottom, title company, a mortgage company, restaurant, that sort of thing. They helped me uh, underwrite it a little bit. So the actual cost of those calendars cost me about $300, but I had 5,000 calendars printed. They have magnets on the back so they can stick to people's refrigerator, and so we mail those out to the farm area, as well as pass them out all over town. I can tell you something that works really, really, really well, that I highly recommend it, and is if you can do like a 5 by 7 or larger, never do anything smaller than a 5 by 7 to stick on the refrigerator. I think it's a waste. Everybody else does them. Everybody else is doing these little business card magnets and all that. I've never done them, because everybody else is doing them. Do the 5 by 7 wipe-off marker board. And you want the top of it to look like your business card with your picture and your logo and your information. And the bottom of it, you can just have like a little tagline or just your website and your phone number. But that wipe-off marker board, people will put it on their refrigerator and they will use it for years. And they see you consistently. So it's little stuff like that that if you're going to have something printed and you're going to mail it, make sure they can stick it somewhere on their refrigerator. For example, a calendar. Well, in a year, a calendar is old. That's why I like the, the wipe-off marker boards. I've done both, but I can tell you the wipe-off marker boards, you don't have to do them every single year because once people get them, they don't throw them away. And we have stuff-itis as human beings. I mean, look at all the storage. Just drive through your town look at all the storage facilities. People have tons of stuff. Nobody throws anything away hardly. And uh, you give them a wipe-off marker board with a magnet on the back, they won't throw it away. It's fascinating. I go into people's houses, and they'll have stacks of my marketing material, whether it be a postcard or a or for sale bond or an expired or just a farm area. Or um, you'll look over in the kids' drawing on your wipe-off marker board. It works really well. And they're not too expensive. I mean, you can, you can spend $1,000 and get a ton of wipe-off marker boards. How often are you mailing into your farm? Every 30 days. I think it's important to look at this. To tap into a market, you need to mail every two weeks for eight weeks. Mail every two weeks for a, an eight-week period of time and then and then stretch out to maybe once a month. And I learned years ago from uh, Sam. He said, to, to grow your business, you mail every two weeks. To maintain your business, you mail every 30 days. Or you can mail every week if you wanted to. It just If you've got the financial resources, it'll happen that much quicker. So if you've got a bank of money, you can sit there and go, you know what, i got a stash of cash. I want to mail out these 10 postcards and I want to mail them out every week for the next, you know, 8 to 10 weeks, then have at it because you'll, it'll be that much more effective, that much quicker. That's important to do. 
I don't think it's necessary to do these big postcards. You can actually do a 4 by 6 card or um, whatever works. We do have a bulk mail permit, and I find that a bulk mail permit will save you thousands of dollars over a year's time. You're mailing a lot of spips, a lot of material, as well as postcards into this farm. Are you doing anything else? Are you knocking on any of the doors or making phone calls into the area? No, I did that years ago, and I just I don't anymore. It's one of those things where I'm, I know it works. I've got friends that work. I've got friends that say, man, we knock on doors, and it works great. We took our, and we took a lot of our team members out, and we don't knock on doors. I'm not denying that it doesn't work. I know it works. It's just sometimes there's more ideas than there is time and money. So and I used to knock on doors. There are subdivisions in Hendersonville, Tennessee. I've knocked on hundreds of doors. I think it's one of those things where, if, especially this time of year, we're rolling into summer, the kids are out. I think it's cool if you could have a wipe-off marker board, and if you've got a kid that has some friends, then take them and divide them up in the streets, put them, put them out on the, on the, in the subdivision and have them go door-knocking and give stuff away for free. I think that would be huge. Now, this geographic farm you started up, it's brand new. How long did it take before you started experiencing a return on your investment? It takes about... Just like anything, it takes anywhere from three to six months. For the most part, about four months. Same way with radio. We do radio. When you first start a project like that, you just have to know that if you get a phone call in the first 60 to 90 days, that's way above average. Because it just takes a while for people to get it into their heads. Kind of like TV. Prime example, when I run TV, I run two weeks on and two weeks off. You can take 100 TV spots or 100 radio spots and stretch them out over 30 days, or you can take 100 TV spots and stretch them out over two weeks. Now, your mind thinks, why would I run them just for two weeks? Because for two weeks, they won't hear my commercial at all. But the way our brains work, you'll have a far greater advantage for them to be, for your name and branded information to be drilled into the consumer's head by by cramming it into two weeks. And I learned that from a trial and error. That's that's money spent that didn't work. And I had a had a very, very nice guy, Bobby Williams, that did my T V advertisement for me in Hendersonville, Tennessee, and he said, Wayne, you need to do two weeks on and two weeks off. And so I said, Well, Bobby, I don't want to. <laughs> I wanna do I wanna be on T V every day. I got an ego. Come on, you know? <laughs> so I did it every day for thirty days and it just it took a little bit longer, and the reason why it took a little bit longer is because I had a budget. You know, I could only spend so much. And he said, well, look, if you're going to only spend so much, you're only going to get so many ads, and based on that many ads, you'd be better off running two weeks. Well, I did that for a couple of months and realized, and so then I took it and compacted it in, into two weeks. It worked far greater. So if you're going to run TV ad, radio, or anything like that, try to compress it. You know, now don't get me wrong. If you've got a budget of ten grand, put it out there. Every day of the week. You're doing these radio ads in your current market. What's your target market? Who are you trying to attract and what do you have in the radio ad? I went in and sat down with a disc jockey and I actually wrote the uh, I wrote the commercials myself based on what other agents have done that have been successful. And I think so oftentimes in life it's just as important to learn what people are not doing or what they've done before in the past and what did not produce good results. And so I think it's important to realize that, learn that, and not make those same mistakes. 
I took the script, took the dialogue for the radio. I really honed it in, and, and I went in, and I had a disc jockey do the readover. And uh, he really nailed it, and he's basically just talking about me. And if you want to hear the radio spots, you can go to wayneturner.com. Scroll down, and you'll see where it says radio spots. You can click on it, and you can hear those radio spots. Or you can go to YouTube and Wayne Turner Real Estate on YouTube. You can hear those radio spots. So basically, he's just saying, hey, it's time to talk real estate. If you're looking for houses, if you're looking to sell your house, now's the time. Look, it's this market is rolling. The market, do you know the market's up 18%? Look, if you're looking to sell your home, you're looking to buy a home, you've got to contact Turner Real Estate Group. Or go to MyLocalRealEstate.com. MyLocalRealEstate.com is the only website you'll ever need for real estate. Discover why more homeowners trust Turner Real Estate Group than any other realtor and that sort of thing. It gets the phone to ring. In that ad, I'm letting people know that we're trusted, people choose us, people select us. And then it also lets them know we sell a lot of houses. Now, another ad that I ran that I thought was really good, and I, and I had to work with the disc jockey. Every two weeks, I go in and do a new readover. And so I have the disc jockey on the front and the disc jockey on the back, and then I'm doing the readover in the middle. And there's been several agents that are friends of mine that have been interviewed do very similar situations. And it basically works where the disc jockey goes, hey, it's time to talk real estate with my buddy Wayne Turner. What's going on, Wayne? And then it goes into me. And I say, hey, thanks, TJ, man. We're having a good time. Here's what we've done so far. Here's what year-to-date numbers are. Here's what we do differently. Turner Real Estate Group, we have buyer agents. So if you're looking to buy your house, if you're looking to buy a home, it's very important to choose an agent. It's only going to work for you. They're not going to do anything else. They're not going to be out there setting signs and lock boxes and taking pictures and doing all that. They're a specific buyer agent. Or if they're looking to sell their home and say, look, we do things differently. You can cancel it any time. Our average time on the market is 63 days. We advertise the website. We talk about short sales. Maybe you know someone that's faced with a hardship. Look, they're not alone. you got to tell them to call me. Our, our services are paid by the mortgage company. It costs you absolutely nothing to short sell your home. It's a, You know, it's it's discreet information. No one has to know. Everything is kept private. So that's what we're kind of doing on the radio spots. They work out really good. How much of your business is coming from radio? Well, we just fired back up radio, but I can tell you we did radio for about two months. They were running a special. They came to me. I had no plan to do radio. Let me mention something to you, Mike. One thing I've learned about radio, I did radio briefly in Tennessee, but I've discovered that radio will put you way out there. So you're better off if you can find a radio station that is honed in on your specific area. Now, that's kind of hard to find in most markets. It really is. But if you can find one, that's great, especially an FM station. You'll get more out of an FM. Now, talk radio is fantastic. It works great. But here's the reason why I went to TV in Tennessee as opposed to radio. I went to TV in Tennessee because they could be zip code specific. I wanted to just advertise in my area of 60,000 people and 21,000 doors in Hendersonville, Tennessee. So it was one zip code, 37075, and that's all I advertised in. Radio would have put me all out there. So I wanted to be specific. Now, the reason why I do radio here is I'm on what they call the north shore of Lake Pontchartrain, 35 minutes north of New Orleans, Louisiana, but the radio station that I advertise on doesn't go far past the the county boundary lines. In other words, the parish. So 
you can imagine having a radio station, and they're just one county specific, and they're an FM station, and they play the latest in music. They're like a kind of like a pop station. They play a little bit of 90s, a little bit of 2000s, and a little bit of the latest stuff. And then they have a sister station that we're advertising on, and it's 104.7, and it's classic rock. So what we're doing is we're two weeks on one station and two weeks on another, but it is specific to our area. Now, back to your question of how many sales. We just started doing the radio two weeks ago. We fired it back up. Because once again, I want to run everything on a shoestring budget. I want to make profit, 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 profit. Last year, the radio station came to me. They said, Wayne, would you like to advertise? Now, how they discovered me is the web, and that's another conversation we need to get into because you've got to be all over the web. But that's how these people are finding me because they're Googling. I'm on the first page of Google. I've been in my town. I'm the new cat in town. been here two years, but I'm on the first page of Google. If you Google Mandeville Real Estate, I'm on the first page of Google organically as well as pay-per-click. And I've been able to do that through search engine optimization, social media, blogging, and that sort of thing. We'll get into that in a minute. But as far as the radio, I've closed two homes for a little over a million dollars. One was a buyer side, one was a seller side. So it's made us a little over $16,000, and we've spent about 3000 on radio in the last eight months. So it's made a profit. Yeah, we've, we've profited $13,000. So you'll do it again? Doing it right now, absolutely. Yep. And we don't pay a whole lot. I'll share with you what we pay. We don't pay a whole heck of a lot. We pay, um, right now I get 200 spots. I do not run them on the weekends. I run them 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. at night. No weekends. I run 10 commercials per day, Monday through Friday. So we're basically on the radio every hour on the hour. It costs us close to $1,000 to do that. $1,000 a month? Yes, for 200 spots. I think it's pretty good, yeah. I've paid a whole lot more. But once again, it's a small radio station, and it's a small niche, and it comes in clear as a bell. I mean, you know, if you ride through town, I mean, it's they got great disc jockeys, and everything's wonderful. Most radio stations will cover six counties, and I really just don't want to drive an hour and a half away. Don't get me wrong. I used to do that, but I want to keep it small, want to keep it tight, want to keep it specific. Just my plan, I guess. You opened up this idea of websites. How did you get placed on the first page of Google? I think something that's really important, a couple of things. One, I think that you need to spend at least 30 minutes a day on social media, and blogging. Now, if you really want to get on the first page of Google pretty fast, then you've got to make sure that your website is indexed. It's important to know that your IDX feed, find out if your IDX feed will allow a subdomain. And if it will allow a subdomain, you call your website provider and tell them you want a subdomain and that you want your real estate listings to sit on your website. Because your real estate listings not just your listings, but all of the listings coming directly from the feed through your local MLS, through your Internet Data Exchange provider. We all have this Internet Data Exchange provider. We have a company that hosts our website. Ours is RealPro, RealPro Systems. They do a fantastic job. You can call them and tell them RealPro Systems. Uh, I think it's realprosystems.com. Tell them Wayne Turner sent you. They'll take really good care of you. What they were able to do is create a subdomain, and then from that, all the houses, all the listings that are in the MLS, are now sitting on my subdomain. 
So I'm not pulling from the MLS. I actually pulled from the MLS. It's updated every 12 minutes, and it sits on my site. Now, what that does is it allows all those words, all those keywords about property sit on my site. So it shows Google, Yahoo, Bing, MSN that I have credible data, and it's always changing because the MLS data is always changing. The other thing to do, and it's very, very, very inexpensive to do that, by the way, very inexpensive. I'm talking less than 100 bucks. The other thing is to is to blog. If you don't have an active rain account, they're free. Get an active rain account, and then if you want to get a little bit more bang for your buck on active rain, it's about 40 bucks a month, I think, and you can you can do the enhanced version. But the cool thing about active rain is you can actually go into active rain and blog, and then you can point your active rain blog back to your site or a page on your site. The other thing that's really important is have your blog on your site. Your blog has to be on your site, connected to your site. It just gives more value to your site. So you definitely want to blog on your site. The other thing that we do is we shoot a video. We shoot videos on a weekly basis, and something that we do to drive traffic is not only do we blog, but we do a video, and we do video blogs. So every time we list a property, not only do we do a virtual tour, we do pictures, but we also do a quick video, less than three and a half minutes. And I purchased a, uh, a camera to do that, very inexpensive. It's called a Kodak Playtouch, and I bought the wide-angle lens adapter. It's just a little bitty wide-angle lens. They're about 40 bucks. You can pick them up both at Best Buy. You'll pay $160 tax out the door, but you can video the property. Now, from videoing the property, you create a YouTube channel on YouTube. Once you create the YouTube channel on YouTube, then you upload your videos. Then you take the video from YouTube and with the HTML code and you embed it on your site. Now you've got a video on your website that consumers can click on and they don't go back to YouTube. It sits there and plays on your site. So that's, that's what you want. Now, what's really cool is we send out an email on a weekly basis of every single to every single person we get a lead or an email from. And right now we have about 5,000 people that we email on a weekly basis. Now you may think, man, a week? Every week? But I started doing this a couple of months ago, absolutely every single week. And we sat down and I made this, what I think is a phenomenal email. Everybody's got an email. They have it on their phone. Everybody has it on their phone. They can search properties. They can take virtual tours. They can do everything on their smartphone. But here's what I did differently, Mike. I thought, you know what? I'm going to throw all that crap out the window and just do it. Do it every week and see what happens. Worst case scenario, I'll get a bunch of people replying back going, leave me alone. But I haven't. I haven't had that at all. What I have had is more people walk up to me that didn't even know me and say, hey, I get your email. Or, for example, today my truck's at the tire store here at Firestone in town, and I walked up to the counter this morning, dropped off my truck, and the guy goes, oh, I know who you are. You're the real estate guy. Now, I'm doing the same thing that I did in Hendersonville, Tennessee, but I did it there with a lot of print, billboards, moving trucks, and, and literally hundreds of thousands of dollars spent. But what I'm doing with here, now if you don't know how to do all this stuff, you can teach yourself because that's exactly what I've done. Go to the bookstore, buy books, Google it, search engine optimization. I'm just trying to really teach myself, and I have a passion for real estate, and I'm very competitive, so I want to be number one. But, you know, a lot of people say, well, if you can blog once a week, well, what do I blog about? Well, I'll give you a prime example. Here's a couple of things. Here's something that, that I've done as far as blogging. 
and I'll go over. Hold on, let me grab this piece of paper, Mike, and I'll share some really cool stuff with you. Now, here's what I did when it comes to when it comes to blogging. Blog about a subdivision in your neighborhood. Every single time you list a house, blog about it. You really want to impress a customer, the listing you really want to get, blog about it the day before you go on the listing presentation and put their information in, put your city's information in, and blog about that property. Now, when you go on the listing presentation with your, with your iPad and your own line, go to Google and put in their address, and you will pull up. And you can look at them and say, look, I'm going to be so aggressive and so progressive and so persistent at marketing at your property, I've started marketing your home, and you haven't even signed anything with me. That's how eager I am to get your home sold. They're blown away because you just went on your blog site. You got to, you know, have a site that uh, your blog's on your on your website, and then you can blog it on Active Rain. Now, here's a trick: when you blog on your website, point it to Active Rain. When you blog on Active Rain, point it to your site. And some people say, well, that's reciprocal links and all this. Well, you're doing it to different pages within your site. So then you're building what they call inbound links on your site, which, again, push you up. But as far as blogging, you're like, man, what do I blog about? Blog? What's a blog? All you're doing is, look, two to three lines. People have short attention spans. If you can put a picture or video to it, it makes it even better. If you have somebody that asks you the same question more than three times, blog about it. And uh, most importantly, you can do a video. We do. I do a video on a weekly basis. My videos are about short sales, buying a foreclosure, the market update. Every single week, I do a video. I'll tell you something that, that I've done, Mike, that people really love and that they're intrigued by it, is I went and spent 20 bucks on a, a navigation holder for my car. You know how you can buy like a, a, a TomTom? Your, your navigation holder, you can buy TomTom. Well, it suction cups to my windshield. So this is what I did. I took the suction cup and I stuck it to my windshield. Then I took my PlayTouch camera with a wide-angle lens. I pull over on the side of the road, I hit record, and I put it in there, and it locks it in place. Then I start talking about the market, and I'm riding down the road. So now, on a weekly basis, people get this email, and one of the first things they see is me there talking. I'm riding down the road in my car. So now it's like, hey, guess where I am today? So now it's like a where's Wayne. So on a weekly basis, I'm riding all over town going, hey, we just listed a property. We just did this. I'm going to do this. So I'm letting people know, and I'm keeping them informed of the market, where it is, what's it doing, what's happening. I've got this sold sign that I put over. Uh, I used to put it over my real estate signs, but I'll be honest with you, as my business is growing, I'm the runner. You know, I, I'm kind of doing. I'm the I'm the one that when I go in, I set the sign, the lot box, the picture, and then I go in and get out. But as our listing inventory picks up, a runner is one of the most invaluable people on your team. But the sold sign, just have it in the back of your car, literally, or your for sale sign. So literally in the background, in the back seat, is either your for sale sign or a sold sign or something. So now not only are they seeing your face, but they're seeing your sign. As far as your real estate sign, put it on everything. Make sure your real estate sign is on your website so when people go to your website. Now, I'm kind of getting off the subject, but back to a blog. Make a list. Uh, for example... If you want to shoot a video, do a blog, either one or vice versa. Uh, what are closing costs? What are escrows? Can the seller pay closing costs? How much is needed to close? How can I get access to foreclosures? Do I need flood insurance? I mean, we're in Louisiana. Everybody has flood insurance. You know, we're below sea level in most parts. How often does the parish estimate property taxes? 
what does my credit score have to be to get a home? I educate people on going to creditkarma.com. They can go to credit and the word karma, K-A-R-M-A.com. It's totally free. You can pull your credit as much as you want. You can set up alerts. The reason why it's free is because there's a bunch of advertisers on the site. I don't care if people advertise on their site. I just want my credit report. So it's totally free. So it's another thing that we're doing to to educate the people. Now, I just bought a new device that I, I think is really awesome, and this is what I've done. Because when you start blogging every day or every other day, now keep in mind I'm doing this stuff within within less than 30 to 40 minutes. I went and bought the software, Mike. It's really cool. And it transcribes my voice into text. So I went and spent 50 bucks on a digital recorder, and I made sure the digital recorder had a cord to it that connects to the USB port on my computer. So now I can be out and about. I can speak into the recorder. I can come back to the office. My listing manager can plug it in, download it to the software, and it transcribes my voice into text. Now I copy and paste that onto Active Rain or to my website blog, and boom, instantly I've, I've done a blog and hadn't spoke a word. Here's another thing that's really cool is we're able to take the video, the voiceover from the video, and we're able to pull the voice from the video through the software that transcribes the voice to text. So now whenever I do a video, I can do a video, pull the words, scrub the words off the video, and it transcribes them into text. So now I've shot a video and I have a blog. What's the name of that software? Not that expensive either. I think it was about 150 bucks. It's Dragon, D-R-A-G-O-N. And how accurate is it when it's translating? Is it getting your words correctly? Yeah, it's pretty accurate. Here, here's what they do. You actually have to, they, they give you a headset and everything, which is pretty cool. So if you wanted to, you can sit there at your computer and talk into your computer, and it will type out the words. It's pretty slick. When you first set it up, they have words for you to to say, like copycat, helicopter, Mike ran up the hill, and so it trains the software to understand your dialect. took a little while for me. I'm from the South. <laughs> <laughs> it kept giving me error, error. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm born and raised in Nashville, Tennessee. My accent's not going anywhere. Yeah, but the software's pretty cool. It's little stuff like that with technology that keeps us at the top. And more and more people, I'm telling you, everybody's on the website. I used to tell my staff years ago, look, it's just a matter of time. Give it five to seven years. Everybody's going to have one of these phones. And these phones are basically small computers walking around when they're in our pockets. And now we can do it. I mean, I remember going to the beach a couple of years ago. My wife and I went to the beach we live about two and a half hours from the ocean, which is just super cool to me because I used to live an eight-hour drive, and so now I'm two and a half hours. So we drive two and a half hours. We sit and relax on the beach for a couple of days, but we did this, and it was a Florida LSU game, and it was a big game, you know. This was two years ago, and I thought, man, Florida LSU. And I'm sitting there with my phone, and I thought, you know, I wonder if I can get that on my on my phone, just out of curiosity. And so... I pulled up a website and got the live feed. So literally I could watch and hear the live football game between LSU and Florida uh, on the beach. It was just fascinating. Technology's amazing. 
Yeah, so why not embrace it? I mean, and here's the thing. With technology, you know, it's not totally free. It does take your time, and time is definitely money. But if you can invest just a little bit of time, and again, it's being systematic with your time. To block out your time, and, you know, or get, you know, if you get up early in the morning, take 30, 45 minutes to learn it. I mean, there's books out there on it at any bookstore that can give you tips and pointers and, and all kinds of stuff. There's lots of software out there, man. Just Google it. You were talking earlier about how you try to keep a tight rein on your expenses. Is your current business profitable? Yes, absolutely. We're profitable, and we run about, we're right now, we're at about 60-40, somewhere in that neighborhood. We're still profitable, uh, but it's one of those things where when you make a profit, you always have to put money back into the business. And it's kind of like if you really want to grow your business and grow your business fast, put 20 cents on every dollar, 20% of, of every dollar that you make, put it back into your business. And if people would say, well, wow, what do you do? And where do I put that money? Now, you 20% to grow it and 10% to maintain it. So your your biggest cost and expense with any business that you run and, I, and I've worked with the big companies, and I've worked with Remax. I was a top, in the top 50 in the country with Remax. Wonderful company, great outfit. But it was just one of those things I felt that it was time to put on my big boy pants and just kind of do my own thing. And it's something I wanted to experience. And and I, I'm, I'm glad of that. I'm thankful for that. But I can tell you that the biggest overhead is staff. It's employees. And that's that way with most companies. It's staff and overhead. For the most part, we put we put about twelve to fifteen percent back into the business, and I say that just on the perspective of marketing things like uh, calendars and printing postcards, and you know we have a copy bill, and part of the copy bills, some of it is marketing because we create postcards that go out we do some of them in-house some of them we we send out just depends on how often we need them and do them but for the most part we don't do anything as far as magazines homes magazines i haven't advertised in any of that stuff in years just because to me the bulk of our marketing is the internet you mentioned 60 40 what do you mean by 60 40 60 percent profit 40 percent goes into the business so it takes about 40 cents out of every dollar to make the wheels turn and turn a real estate group. But you're pulling 60% out the bottom of net profit. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's where you want to be. Once again, if you if you make a million bucks and it takes you 900000 to get there, you don't want to do that. That ain't good. Not good at all, you know. Or even if you spend, spend 700000 to make a million, that's not good at all. I mean, me personally, I, I like to be running at about 70, 30. That's a lot of businesses. I mean, when you realize you're an independent contractor, you're a real estate agent, you're the CEO of you, it's important to pay yourself first, save save time, save money, and do things as consistently and as effectively as remotely possible. So once again, you know, we all get up and go to work to make a profit. Wayne, how do you keep control of your time? i tell you something that I use. I have Outlook, but... Something that that I use still to to this day, and and I do embrace technology. And I think it's wonderful. But something that 
that I still use to this day, and my buyer agents use it, and that's just a dated weekly planner, and it's like 8.5 by 11. It literally has all seven days of the week when you open it up. I buy them at Walmart for like $8, and it's a paper day planner. That's what I use. I track my world with that paper day planner. I actually spent a half a day with Gary Keller, a very smart businessman. Spent a half a day with Gary a couple of years ago. He used the same day planner. I just thought that was ironic. You know, here this guy is worth multi-millions of dollars. I mean, his company is profoundly successful. But he still uses a paper planner. And I just thought, wow, that makes sense, you know. I understand, whatever works. He said he's tried them all. He can, I mean, he could afford anything he wanted. Hell, he could have a custom planner made if he wanted to, but he still uses a, a paper planner. I thought that was pretty cool. Do you do some type of time blocking or a perfect day or a perfect week? Yeah, not so much a perfect day or a perfect week because my thing is I believe in having time and being regimented and, and blocking out time. But my personality, I'm kind of all over the place. I'm, I'm a bit of an ADD, so I, I keep five or six plates spinning at one time. I usually get to the office consistently every single day between 8.30 and 9 o'clock. I immediately want to start making outgoing calls, follow-up calls, and then I try to block time to make calls typically between 9 and 10, 9 and 10.30. And it's best to just shut the door and say, don't knock on my door unless the building's on fire. That's what you have to do. Because it's the inevitable. As you get busier and you start making more sales, more and more of your staff will start coming to you. And if you have just one person, then you need to train that person to let go. You need to look at them and go, what do you think I would do? Now, what would you do? Okay, let's do this. Anytime you make a decision, tell that person why it's important to have made the decision that way. Now, when it comes to building a team and having the right people, there's a, a system for that, and that system is called DISC. And I heard this years ago, but it kind of went in one ear and out the other. I'm like, DISC, whatever. I just want to sell a bunch of houses. But what I've come to realize is DISC is huge when you meet people. If you're a buyer agent, if you're a listing specialist, if you're the rainmaker, if you're the team leader, and here's how. If you're the rainmaker, the owner of the company, the team leader, you want to make sure you got the right people on the right bus. If you're hiring somebody to be your listing manager or your assistant, you need to make sure that the S personalities I've found work best for listing managers. I've had different personalities, and they just don't jive. If you hire a C personality, a C personality, they're wonderful, but they're very detailed, they're very analytical, they're very to the point, and they're typically not the most talkative personality. A C personality is that person who's an engineer, they're analytical, they're reserved, it takes them a little bit of while to make a decision, they're very regimented, their desk is clean, they're typically neat for the most part, but your listing manager has got to constantly talk to people, so they always got to be kind of cheerful and kind of smiling. Now, an S personality, they're nurturing, they're kind, they're caring, they're personable, they're attentive, they're extremely, extremely loyal, and they want to make people proud, and they don't like confrontation, so they're always smiling and happy. Listing manager, you're going to hire somebody to help you with the listing to hire an S personality. If you want to see what the test consists of, you can actually go to a website. It's callwayneturner.com forward slash 
D-I-S-C. And you can actually see the questions on there. It's on a website that I have. Before I hire a buyer agent or anybody that's going to remotely be part of my team, they take that test. Now, for buyer agents, if you can hire an I-D personality, and I'll run through them. D is very determined. They're focused. They're typically the rainmaker. They come across as heartless people, although they have a big heart. They want the baby, not the birth. Don't tell them how it's made. Don't tell me how big the waves are. Just bring the ship in. And that's a D personality. They're direct and to the point. And I, they're the life of the party. They're always up, up and going, cutting up, laughing, practical joking. They like to have a good time. They never meet a stranger. Everybody's always, you know, they'll walk up and speak to anybody. That's what you want for a buyer agent. The C, once again, very analytical, very detailed. And the S is nurturing, caring, kind, personable. They make great parents and wonderful mothers. Is the uh, DISC personality. But as far as a listing person, listing partner, you want a D, a DI. As far as a buyer agent, it's best to have an ID or a DI. And for a closing manager, it's good to have an, uh, an SC person because that person needs to be somewhat regimented, but they also have to be friendly because they're dealing with a bunch of real estate agents every single day. And uh, we can all be a little crazy. So the DISC is huge in terms of building the right team. That way you get the right people on the bus in the right seat. And I've experienced that, having the wrong people, and I almost fired people. And then I had I had a very, very smart businessman who's a real estate agent tell me that you've got to make some changes. Don't just start cutting the fat and hire new people. Make some changes. And when I made those changes... It made a world of difference. But always remember, you know, you got to be slow to hire and you got to be quick to fire. Me, I'm impatient. I'm like, okay, yeah, you'll work. Come aboard. Welcome. But what I found is I was hiring the wrong people. But the DISC was invented by a Harvard professor in 1932. You can Google it. It's actually on Wikipedia. And it will show you the gentleman that created it, invented it. Most people, we all have a DISC trait within us, but... We typically all lead with two dominant traits. And it's pretty fascinating because now I can talk to people on the phone and you can hear them and you can hear their dialect and you can hear the questions and the answers and, and you kind of know you're talking with a seller on the phone who you're going to be dealing with. If you meet a buyer for the first time and you're a buyer agent and you're showing property, if that person is not smiling, it's a process of elimination. If they're not smiling, more than likely they're a D or a C. Because those are the people that are pretty focused, pretty determined. they got a lot of stuff going on in their head. They're the ones that oftentimes are the ADDs of the world. Their world's kind of turning and burning. And it's not that they're unhappy. It's not that they're frustrated. It's just who they are. But if you see somebody and they're smiling, they're typically, you've met them for the first time, they've got a big smile on their face, they're typically an S or an I personality. So most importantly, learning the DISC allows you to treat people the way they want to be treated, not the way you want to be treated. Wayne, where do you fall in the DISC? I'm definitely a D. I'm a DI. But you know what's funny is as you grow and you're in sales, you realize you really have to be a chameleon. You have to mirror yourself back to other people. And once again, that falls back into the, the DISC. If you're meeting with someone and they're of elderly age, in their 80s, then you have to slow down. You have to you know, be on their level and be respectful and 
be articulate in, in, in what you're trying to get across and the point you're trying to explain and that sort of thing. Sometimes you have people that are, you know, they're wound up, they talk fast, they act fast, they walk fast, they do everything fast. More than likely, they're a D or an I personality. And that's why it's important to have the, the IDs or DIs as buyer agents, preferably the IDs. You want them to never meet a stranger, but you want them to be, you want the, you want a buyer agent to be able to show three or four houses and go, okay, pick one. Which one do y'all want to buy? Because an S personality oftentimes won't do that, neither will a C. That's why it's important to have those ID personalities. I can tell you from voice of experience that my best buyer agents absolutely by far have been those ID personalities. I'm a D-I-S-C, just like it is. I am uh, I think I'm organized. I want to be organized, but unfortunately I'm not as organized as I'd like to be. Although I do have systems in place, I make sure that my staff is extremely organized, but I have to work at it. It doesn't come easy for me. I have to work at making sure that I consistently, every day, block out time. I consistently prospect. Most importantly, in any sales, is follow-up. Because if you don't get that buyer for the first time and you went out there and you met them for the first time or if you go on that listing appointment and you didn't get the listing, you know, I don't like two-step listing appointments. When I go out there, I want to get it get it on the market, get it going and get back and let's roll. I don't want to go back out to the property and two-step it. I, I want to be in and out. So if, if you don't get the listing the first time, then you have to follow up and you have to put it on your calendar or, or make sure that you absolutely follow up with that person, you know, whether it be on top producer or anything like that. One of the, one of the things that the buyer agents love with us is we do have a software company and a website, and we use Boomtown. And Boomtown's been extremely successful for us. It's worked out great. And having not only does it generate business and it allows us to bring in leads, but the website itself is phenomenal. It gives people what they want. They want to see houses. It gives them data. It gives them information. But what it gives the buyer agents is it gives them a back office. It gives them a, a, a website. It gives them a means for their clients to search property. And then we see what properties they're looking at, when they looked at them. So the buyer agent at any given time can go into the system and see if Andy Smith logged in three days ago and he logged in yesterday at 2 o'clock. He's looked at these properties. Here's the ones that he looked at the most. Here's the one he did. He took a virtual tour on. Here's the one that he did a mortgage calculator. And here's the one he's tagged as his favorites. Here's the ones that he shared. So then we can pick up the phone and go, hey, Andy, man, I got this really cool house I think you'll like. It's over there on 78 River Bluff. And I think it'll really match what you're looking for. Now, we know that 78 River Bluff is one of them that it looks like he really likes. That's called sales. That's matching the buyer with the house and the house with the buyer. So we're calling them and trying to get them on that property. Call it Big Brother. Man, it's technology. We all do it to one another, and it's a matter of looking at the data, calling the person, and going, hey, would you like to look at this property? And so Boomtown has helped us uh, greatly in that, staying in front of the consumer as well as being able to just keep up with everything. The back office is really good. Wayne, what drives you? I'm a big believer in broke is temporary and poor is forever. So it's mind over matter. 
I don't think the diamonds are just for the devil's bunch. I think that we have an opportunity to have nice things in life and to enjoy nice things while we're here. And I know that if I work hard now, I can have the choice or the opportunity to not work so hard in the future. And so that's why I kind of, I've got goals and I've got plans and I've got dreams. And, you know, I do this now and I get up and I put on my dress slacks and my golf shirts, got my company name. But who knows, you know, I'm either going to sell boats or I'm going to let my beard grow out to the middle of my chest and uh, get a tattoo and buy a Harley and just go cruising when I'm 50. Who knows, you know. And I just, I want to enjoy life. I want to help people have fun and make a little profit along the way. But I want my, my staff and and, uh, and our team here, you know, the, the company. We don't have a traditional company. We're, we're, a, we're a real estate team under a company name. And so to me, what drives me is having family. My beautiful wife, who is my absolute number one fan, and having my mom and my dad and my sister and my brother-in-law and their family and my wife's family, just having having people that are there for me, I can always call on the friends that truly are there for me, that sort of thing. And I'm very competitive. I don't know. Some people are just kind of wired that way. I remember being a kid selling candy. I would help my dad, and it would be their company paint houses and paint rooms and pick up trash. I was always doing something for a buck, you know. I learned the value of a dollar early on, literally as, as far as I can remember. I remember being four years old and helping my dad change light bulbs. And he always would give me a little bit of money, and I thought, wow, this is pretty cool. I think I was about in fifth or sixth grade. I was buying candy, and the school called Dad and had to shut my operation down. Because I was buying candy. I was buying Jolly Ranchers for two and three cents a piece back in the early 80s, and uh, I was selling for a dime a piece. And to me, that was, you know, <laughs> that was just, just kind of came naturally, you know. When I was 11, 12 years old, we lived in an apartment complex, and I washed cars. I would wash, uh, I would wash the outside of a car for four bucks, and if you wanted the inside, I could do the outside and the end for seven. And uh, I, I had a hose pipe and a bucket and washing and everything to, to wash the car. And I would have people drive the car and pull it over there and park, tell them to leave the keys in it, and I'd listen to the radio. And so when I was 11, 12 years old, in the summers, I always walked around with a wad of cash in my pocket because I was always, I didn't mind working. I didn't mind doing, you know, what it took. But I think a lot of that's, you know, my, my grandmother used to say blood's thicker than water. I think a lot of that has passed on from family members. And my mother is, uh, she's worked since she's been about 15 years old, and she's one of the hardest working people I've ever met in my life. And I think it's just kind of passed along, you know. I'll always be doing something. I don't think I'll ever retire, but I'll just find something different to do, you know. To be able to have the choice, you know, when you wake up when you're 50 and go, you know, business is rolling pretty good. I want to go do something else. I think I'll go sell boats, you know. I think I'll go, I think I'll take my boat and cruise down to the Keys for a couple of months, you know. So I, I think it's... uh that's the long answer of what drives me, being successful, being appreciated, being good at something to where people can come to you and get a really straight answer and get the right answer, get the correct information. Because there's a lot of people out there, especially with the web nowadays, where you know if it's on Google, it must be right. Anybody can blog and anybody can put it out there and 
just seems like most of it's just junk. But to give people an informed knowledge base that's legit, where they can make a smart, educated decision based on correct data information. If you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? I would tell them to go to the bookstore and get a couple of books on. There's one book out there that's uh, How to Make $100,000 Your First Year in Real Estate. I would get a book on blogging. I would get a, I'd go spend 100 bucks in books at minimum. Social media, I would start a LinkedIn account. I would start a YouTube channel. I would get on Facebook. I would try to find as many people as you can to be friends with you on Facebook. I would get an Active Rain account. Start blogging on Active Rain. Even if you just say, hey, I'm Wayne Turner and I'm new in the business. I would, from there, after you've educated yourself on some of the books, as far as real estate, I would start pulling expired listings. Most importantly, within the first couple of months that you're in the business, I think it's extremely, extremely important that you subscribe to something that allows you to hear other agents' successes, such as Mastermind Agent. I think it's important to hear what other people are doing, and it's important to surround yourself by people that you want to be like. So be successful. You want to be around successful people. And then I would start pulling expired listings. I would pull six months back. I would scrub the list to see if they've been active or sold. If they have not been active or sold, I'd try to call those people and start knocking on those doors. I would have a goal to have 20 listings. If you can keep 20 listings in this market and in this economy, you can make $100,000 a year. And once you make $100,000 a year, put 20% of that right back into the business to let people know, especially your friends, your family, your what they call sphere of influence. Let people know that you're in the real estate business. Mail to them every single month, those people, as well as when you list a property, put it on Facebook. Once again, it's learning the social media and learning the website. I think it's huge to have a website. You need to have a website. Another company out there, and be sure and tell them I sent you that I'll take really good care of you, is webagentsolutions.com. You can go to webagentsolutions.com. Their site's like 300 bucks. I think it's $100 a month. And those are really good sites that allow a consumer to search for property on your site. You can do a lot with it, and it's very inexpensive. Another one that's that I feel is better than that and that I've used for years, a good friend of mine, Rob Levy, put me on to, and Galen Hawes and Sam Miller, is a real pro systems. Real pro systems is very important to have. A, and it's a good website. I think they're about a thousand bucks, but it's it's worth the wait and go because it's got the integrated. You want the blog on your site. Web agent solutions. There's not going to be a blog on your site, but real pro systems. There will be a blog on your site that you can blog. Plus, we do a lot of unbranded. I don't know if you've. We do a lot of stealth marketing, and unbranded marketing. So it's important to promote and advertise the opportunity for a consumer to be able to go to a website and search for listings. So we have lots of unbranded sites. And those unbranded sites are where they're under the radar, meaning that when you go to them, they look like they're just a standard site that's out there. But if you scroll down to the bottom, see my information and my disclosures. And so we have a lot of those in terms of we purchase URLs and we point URLs to specific pages 
on our site as well as specific unbranded sites. Like we have, for example, MandevilleLuxuryHomes.com, MandevilleNewConstruction.com. So people can go to those sites. So then we can promote those sites on outside sources and outside marketing, outside website, and it gets people to come to a site, a specific website, and actually search for property, see homes in real time. And it's updated every 12 minutes. It's pretty awesome. Well, Wayne, you share a lot of great ideas. You've been successful, got knocked down, stood back up, and are successful again. Your strength comes from your positive mindset, pig-headed determination, big heart, and passion for real estate. As you say, broke is temporary, but poor is forever. You may have been broke, but you'll never be poor. You are an inspiration to all aspiring agents. Thank you again for being our top agent of the month. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at freeleadtime.com. That's freeleadtime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to the Mastermind Agent Interview of the Month Club, where top agents, rising agents, team members, and guests from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the club interviews at www.mastermindagent.com.